Good evening! Welcome to another episode of Two Guys Who Help Me Be Pastors. Tonight, we actually grow that number by one. We are three guys who happen to be pastors. A show where we come together and we talk about all the aspects of ministerial life, how we handle it, and all the other fun stuff that comes along with that. You know I, I kind of liked it the way we did it the first time. You know what? <laughs> we were okay, so we're not starting off the episode very well because we literally tried to record this thing, what, three times, three times. I did? Uh, you know, I, I like the first one where where we generally complain. We do generally complain, you know. And, um, and we categorize as old men now because we're complaining and no one cares. Nobody does. <laughs> uh, I haven't cracked thirty yet. I'll crack thirty in August. And apparently, I've been told when you crack thirty, you officially have become. You're not young anymore. You're an adult. They expect you to pay for things like taxes, insurance, I, and stuff. I mean, a mortgage. Can you imagine? As a pastor, you only have to pay those Social Security and Medicare, so you don't have to pay anything else. Well, then there you go. That works for me. Yeah, it does. Uh, it, it, it has for me, I guess. Well, you guys pay for things? Kyle's <laughs> <laughs> like, what are taxes? <laughs> uh, they said pay quarterly, which I thought meant every 25 years. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out. I thought my work had a set-aside savings for me. Uh, you know, it says I get $300 a week. And then I look, I only got 150 in the bank account. What in the world happened? I thought they just had a second savings. <laughs> uh, second savings mean the boss didn't pay you. He's just going to put that in his own. <laughs> well, friends, I'm sure you've heard. We have a new voice in the office tonight. Why don't you go ahead and take us in, introduce yourself. Let us know who you are in the wide world of the podcast work land. Well, I am Kyle Clem. I am basically just kind of a random guy that showed up today, best way to put it. I just started walking with Glenn Davis outside, and uh, next thing you know, he's like, hey, you're going to be on the podcast today. Not not really. I'm, uh, I grew up with Glenn. Uh, he's kind of been a mentor to me through the years. Uh, and what I mean by mentor, he's been the one that's grabbed me by the back of what hair I had left and told me don't do that. <laughs> or don't touch that. One of the two, but... Needless to say, though, I've somehow ended up in this little uh, little game that they got going on tonight. Well, we're glad to have you. You know, it's always it's always fun. We've been talking. This is our twenty first episode. We've done this for twenty one weeks. Ooh. Um, which you know, I I get. You know, I I don't I don't think Congress works twenty one weeks. To be honest with you, but we'll I leave think that Congress alive. Congress works one. Well, they show up for inauguration for the swearing-in day. Then after that, they're hitting down the, to the Keys in Florida or anything like that. But uh, we've been talking about trying to get a... Playing crooked stick. That's what Dan Burton used to do. <laughs> so. But uh, glad to have you here tonight. Um, we're going to get into something kind of fun. As you remember last week, by the way, thank you for tuning in wherever you found us, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on the Anchor app as well. Uh, yes, we're still on Spotify. I, that's all kind of died down, though. I haven't heard that about that much. Um, well, they're going after Russell Brand now. Well, then jeans are too tight. I can understand that. I mean, when I, you can stand on stage and kind of guys change. Hey, Russell Brand is a good and honest man who has a solid wood pile in his backyard. All right? <laughs> it's in the back of his shot when he does his videos. That is a solid wood yeah, pile. I mean, it's, it's, he's pretty beefy on it, yeah. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk about how um, we as pastors are critiqued, how we are, um, friendly suggestions are made, in a sense. And it may go off the rails from that, I don't even know. 
Well, um, your use of friendly, I take immediate. <laughs> it ain't always friendly. It's not always friendly. I'm trying to. Try By the not... way, I'm Pastor Glenn. I'm still yeah. here. I was waiting for him to yeah. get around to it. Pastor Glenn, Willow Branch United Methodist Church. I'm glad to be here, I suppose. And, um, yeah, I, I've gotten Kyle into more trouble, I think, than I've talked him out of. You know, so I take offense to that intro. No. This is the first time we really hung out in an, an official capacity where it, you know we claimed each other. Uh, I was riding a, a half a wheelie chair down a hallway at Madison Grant High School and crashed into a mirror, and I'm fairly confident I cracked it. So you didn't crack it by crashing into it; you cracked it by standing in front of it. Just saying. Oh, <laughs> booyah! I'll tell you what, the power of Christ could not compel that mirror that day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, statute of limitations, I'm sure, have run out. So. I, I'd hope so. I'm just saying the best type of fire is friendly fire, and I just got you on that one. You did. <laughs> I have to get a chemical you know, shower for that burn. Wow. <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> well, anyhow. Yes, we got yeah, yeah. yeah, we got a Purdue game and yeah, I'm, I'm the one who's squawking about it. So. We're we're we yeah, we're we're gonna try and crack through this. As we know, it's NCAA March Madness tourney time. And we've already had a fairly good bracket buster with the Kentucky game. I Kentucky I, didn't hurt me. Baylor got me. Baylor got Baylor me. got me. Kentucky got me. I was I was kind of surprised. I had them going down to Murray State. Turns out Saint Peter's. Hmm. The Peacocks got through. They got so. a guy named Doug that looks like he ought to be selling books out of the back of a van, beating everybody. That's probably what he does. He, so. I mean, that's how he's paying, you know, until I got I, there. It's honest work. Yeah, I mean. My brother-in-law sh- sells shrimp out of a van, so <laughs> I think that's what he does. They were I, they were in St. Martin last week. I'm not jealous or anything. St. <laughs> oh, Thomas, not St. Martin. Oh, okay, sorry. Saint, yeah. I get those mixed up. Yeah. Beautiful islands, whatever. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, we, as you know, last week we talked about how we create, how we come up with material for our sermons. It's not always, well, it's, it's easy ish. I mean, you got to kind of make some pretty good correlations there, but. Yeah, uh, it depends on a lot of times how, how fun life is and how you keep yourself up. Uh, I did, I'll, kind of finish that thought with a quote that I don't think I mentioned last week, and that is from uh, Kendall McCabe, the late Kendall McCabe, Dr. Reverend High Dr. Kendall Ooh. McCabe, who was my preaching t- uh, professor at United. Um, he would often warn us, uh, don't assume your life is that interesting. <laughs> so, which I, I thought was really helpful criticism. So, Who's winning? I know you're over there checking stats. Actually, I know you so, are. So, not going to lie on this one. They're not lying from a couple preachers, but uh, don't want to feel like I don't want to catch any lightning bolts today. Actually, I just got a uh, ad for uh, a couple things, and I was just kind of going through and see what I could get for real cheap because I like to pinch pennies. Got to uh, paint those pennies to make a future. Oh man! Speaking of which, did you? I saw on the news or saw it came across the wire about an hour and a half ago. They are going to officially discontinue the penny in 2023. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, yeah. Because it officially has reached, it takes, I think they said it was like a nickel to make one penny. 
Huh. Which, I mean, they've been complaining about it for years now. They I mean, absolutely have. I think every time Congress comes back in session, it's always a bill that comes through. So when they get rid of the pennies, are they going to punch a hole through the side of it or something? They're going to well, roll... Well, oh, I mean... I'm gonna, I, all I'm saying is that's going to look a little awkward with a hole through Lincoln's head again. <laughs> oh, come on. That's horrible. But I'm sorry. Accurate. Yeah. Uh, but they said so they're going to... John that day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave that dog lie. I got to, um, but uh, they said the store's gonna round up to the nearest nickel. I guess. I don't know. It. it it's, That's what they always said was they would just have to round it up yeah, to the nickel. Which I mean, so basically by them doing away with the penny, that means we're gonna pay more for our stuff, which we're already paying through the news. I mean, for. why not? I mean, it, we're we're to that point, I guess. Mm. But anyhow. So, Glenn. Yes. I watched your sermon last week. Did you? It was not that great. That's nice. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm just, no, 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 no. Every, I get what you're doing there, yeah. and, I, and I respect it. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty yeah. good tie-in, you know? I'm, right. I'm, uh, I'm quick like that, you know? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about criticism tonight in a way that um, we want to help each other and we want to help you, because if you've ever walked up to your pastor... With a genuine concern, you're a lot braver than most people. Because normally, it's the same couple of folks that come up to you with just a laundry list of problems that they have with you. Uh, it's it's never a, ge- a general population thing where everyone's just standing in line to tell you how much you suck. Um, and normally, it doesn't have a lot to do with the preaching in my camp. Because... I tell people, I have a shirt at home that says I'm not for everybody. I tell people, hey, you don't like it? I'm not changing for you. Mm -hmm. That's the way I'm doing things. Um, I found that my preaching style speaks to people who are unchurched far more than it does to churched. And I've got some bad news for some folks out there. That's who I'm trying to get. Yeah. So, um, you know, have at you if you will. Shouldn't that be the goal of every pastor, though? I mean... Mm, should, maybe. Depends on who you ask. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> there's some people got 1,500 people in the church, and they're trying to make them happy. Uh, just kind of depends. They they did a Barna research poll years ago where they asked people what the main reason they thought their church existed for, and only like 20% picked to serve the community. Like, like 45% was like to serve me. And... Oh. Um, yeah, so you can figure it out why a lot, we got a lot of churches hanging on by a thread and it has to be their way or the highway. Uh, if you have a problem with my preaching, that's fine. You're welcome to bring it to my attention. But like I said, I've been doing this for 20 years. I have a general idea of what works. And generally, if I do a bad one, I already know. Yeah. So uh, you're welcome to share that information with me. What I found is that, and this is where we go off the rails, because if you have a genuine issue and I can do something about it, I will try. Like, we had uh, it come up that folks would like to have a Good Friday service around here, which is something we haven't got a chance to talk about mm-hmm. yet. Um, <clears throat> and I'm like, absolutely. And that came to me third party because th- there was some talk of, well, why aren't we doing this? And then it got to me, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe we should do it. Yeah. Um, if you have a concern, 
most of the time, like I said, people sit on it, sit on it, sit on it until they become just very upset about it. When you can come to us to talk to us about those things, what well, yeah. we're fine with that. Um, it's the Machiavellian. Well, so and so was saying, or I mean, hey, that. you said you were going to build Shakespeare. I'm going to teach you some lessons. You better settle only in. Issue, only issue I've had with your sermons is the days you give out punch and cookies. You're only giving one cookie and one punch, and it tastes like grape juice and a saltine cracker. Hey, I told you those were in Nabisco. I was a little insulted. The best go community wafers go down smooth. It won't stick to the roof of your mouth like those cheap imitation sacraments. Sorry, that's an inside joke. Go listen to the first baseball game. You will giggle until you turn blue. It's an old uh, Harry Carey bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve Stone. Steve Stone was the guy that did that. Remember, when you ask for that, when you go to the rail for that body and blood, ask for the house for the most, ask for Nabisco. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So Machiavellian, for those of you who don't know, was a writer, I think, in the Middle Ages mm-hmm. or towards the Renaissance, all about you know spying, betrayal, being a complete and total jerk. So uh, that's a big word that means generally you're doing something for the sake of stirring up trouble. Now, I know some of you are saying, is that really a thing? Yes, it is. Because I've known a few of them, and they are the most fun people. Um, generally, they're just trying to make your life hard. Every church has one. Bible warned every church would have one, um, and they do. Um, and generally, when those folks come to you and say, "Well, you know, so and so was saying," or so, they were talking to their spouse about it. Their spouse didn't hammer them in disagreement. So somebody's talking about it. Is generally how that works. So. Um, those are the most difficult ones to deal with because what am I what am I supposed to do with that? You know, well, so and so was saying that they don't think that you should be promoting this, you should be promoting that. Well, I don't know what that is. Well, but yeah, but you're or so and so was saying this about you and if you're anything like me, I like to get to the bottom of things. I don't like to let things stew. I'm very impatient. So I will go to so-and-so. Yeah. And essentially I'm like, you got a problem with me? And then you find out, no, they really don't. So-and-so was talking about something and they just kind of have agreed with them. That's what I mean by Machiavellian. Those are hard. Because you kind of get caught in, well, this is a you problem and you're making it an all of us problem and you're doing it just basically to stir things up. Um, there are some people that just good status quo content doesn't work and those those are the ones that hurt the most like I'll, I'll give you a great example between the two and um, Kyle will have some comments here on the back end of the second one here so first one when I started at a church um, we had our first uh, pastor parish meeting again that's code word for the oversight committee and somebody on the oversight committee said well I just don't I just can't understand him and I was like oh crap I'm using too big of words or you know and I thought well no turned out that um, we needed to turn the volume up 
And so I'm halfway to Mexico ready to retire and just fish for the rest of my life because I'm just like, I'm using too big of words or I'm not communicating effectively. I'm a horrible pastor. You're going to Andy Dufresne it, basically. Mm. I'm going to jump off a cliff it is what I'm after. (laughs) If you think the sermons are too long, you think they're too short, you think that you would like to have something covered... I've had a lot of people come to me and say, would you preach on this? I absolutely will preach on that. I've had a few people, not many, come to me and say, well, I'm not real sure where you're getting this. And I'll open up my Bibles or my books and I'll show them where I'm getting that or I'll show them the clip that I got it from and I explain, you know, well, this is where I got that from. If you have some of those issues, please talk to your pastor, whoever they are about them, because they would love to hear from you. And they love to take care of that before it becomes a big problem. I'm going to give you two examples of people just trying to make things hard. And it ages your pastor. There's a reason a lot of pastors don't make it a long time in this in this business. Um, and the first one goes something like this. I uh, had asked for prayers for a gal who had been helping me with some ministry stuff. Uh, Kyle will probably pick up who I'm talking about pretty quick. And um, I asked for prayers for her because she was traveling and they were having car trouble getting home. Mm-hmm. And her, her mother, father, brother, and sister-in-law walked out and all independently yelled at me and told me I didn't know crap about crap about so-and-so. And uh, turns out they all hated her. Oh, my. And that... Uh, this was a major problem for me. And the next week, the sister-in-law called me said, well, I just think you're going to lose control of the church because you just don't have things put together and you don't understand what's going on. And, um, yeah, for asking for prayers. for So so should we hex them? Like, I don't know. I mean, all I'm saying is the sister-in-law, the one I do believe you're talking about, was a lunch lady, and she made the worst lunches, so. (laughs) Get your house in order, folks. If you're you're serving me meatloaf, and your meatloaf is like a ton of bricks, like you just went outside and grabbed a red brick off the side of the building, you need to reconstruct your life and go see Jesus. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So, the, the other one... And, and folks, I'm, I'm trying, maybe I'll slide another one in here to help, help you know a healthy critique. So um, when I first started in ministry, I didn't know that people liked long sermons. Here's something that's that every pastor should probably hear as they come into the pulpit. People would like to hear you speak, but they would like for it to be interesting and helpful. Like, people will sit there through good stuff. You ever sat through an hour of Chicago Fire or ER or, you know, several episodes of Guy's Grocery Games? Like, there's a reason. It's entertaining. It's fun. You get something out of it. I had a lady tell me when I first started, she's like, you know, you really don't preach long enough. And that was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard in my entire life. I'm like, you want me to go longer? That's usually kind of against the grain a little bit. I mean, I not to take away. Go ahead. The first sermon I ever gave was 48 minutes long. 48 minutes is a little bit 
much. I'm ordering a pizza. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it was a good sermon. The pastor came up and said, wow, I feel like I've been at church, which I could have took as it was a great, impactful sermon, or, yeah, this is kind of like what we used to have with Grandma, and, you know, we'd be doodling or coloring on the, bu- on the bulletin in the week. Um, so, I mean, I started making them shorter, and, you know, 20, 25 minutes, and I've never had anybody come up and say, I wish they were longer, but I'm curious. Continue. Well, I wasn't I wasn't going but more than 10 minutes, because I didn't know. Oh. First of all, I was 19 years old. Yeah. And second of all, I didn't know people wanted particularly long sermons. So, she said, you know, you could stand to preach a little longer, and... You end up in a weird headspace there. You're not being insulted. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're being told something that doesn't make any sense to you. So, like, you're in this weird headspace where, like, should I? No, I'm not going to be offended. Like, you're putting it through every man filter that you have. <laughs> like, I shouldn't be offended. I I should be considering, like, bah. So, I did what anybody would do. I went and, you know... Start asking folks, well, would you rather me go longer? Consensus was, yeah, stuff is interesting. You, you seem to have quite a wealth of knowledge for such a young man. We would like to hear a little bit more from you. Maybe you could get it up to 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, even when I started here at Willow Branch, I was going 25, 30 minutes every week, and I still hit, you know, a good 20, 25 minutes, even when I'm doing the one-on-ones in here in my office. And, yeah, if it's good content, people want to hear it. Exactly, yeah. So, for all the pastors out there who are worried about time limits and all this, say what you want to say. Just make sure it's worth hearing. And then, because the governing principle for me is, does this matter? Do I care? Does this fit? Can I live without it? I go through that process on every sermon and that is helpful information. Well, do you enjoy this? Now, if you come to me and you're like, I don't like the sound of your voice. Well, I don't like the sound of yours either. That's not helpful. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to be helpful here. Or, you know, I really just don't like your style. It's like, well, I don't like your face. So, <laughs> you know, I, the, first co- the first year at the last church I was at, I really tried hard to be somebody I wasn't. I hated myself. I hated everything about it. I hated the church I was serving. It was rough. Once I started being me, all that rolled away. So, if you don't like your pastor personally, I'm really sorry about that. But that's a personal thing for you. And before you wreck everything in the world, you should probably consider... Does everyone else like this pastor? Does, and a lot of people won't think that through because if they're in that headspace, they've already decided you got to go. Mm-hmm. The real bad one was, and this was several years ago now. We're talking more than a decade. I still had hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, Kyle, little known fact, could grow a hardcore, legitimate afro. Really? Dr. J would have been jealous. Just saying, like, <laughs> It, I look like a chia pet. Like, Bob Ross had nothing on me. Like, I saw him a couple times when he was in middle school. I was like, he's got a legit afro. But jocks go <laughs> with it. That's Ooh. right. So, the most harmful one, and this is when it gets really bad, 
and I'm going to start it with a tagline. If you decide that your church has to suffer to get your way, you are a jerk. And you need to fix some things in your life. So, I had been getting flack about what I've been doing with the youth group for a while at this point. And I decided to invite the youth group to this Valentine's Day thing. And they were going to read uh, Valentine's Day grams, like candy grams or whatever. And uh, we had a bunch of kids there. There were a bunch of people there. One of the cutest things you'd ever seen. You know, Kyle read a candy gram. Rose red, violets are blue, I love you. Mama mom. <laughs> to Lauren's mom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, hey, say what you want. I married good jeans. My <clears throat> mother-in-law's got it going on. She buys so, rain worse. <laughs> so, um, anyway, they, uh, they dismissed us to go eat upstairs um, in the nursery because there wasn't enough room and there really wasn't enough food. And there was a couple of ladies in the kitchen just steaming mad at me. Because I invited these kids, but I'm like, well, I, I told you they were coming, and everyone's really enjoying themselves. This is a tremendous success. What What's the issue? Well, the issue was, was they wanted it a certain way. They didn't get it a certain way. So, they started bagging on our kids. They started having church council members sit in on our youth groups. They started really saying, well, you know... These kids don't pay tithes, and these kids don't do this, and they don't do this. And I was sitting there at one point going, I think they're going to sabotage the church just because they're mad. And we had a couple who was getting very involved, um, who owned a very large business in the area, and who was going to do some work on the church for us, and who was going to help do some volunteer mission things. They ended up leaving over it, and the uh, they they turned down a pay raise for me because I didn't need it and they didn't have the money. Fudged some numbers to get that through, by the way, borderline fraud. Um, then they said I gotten too many checks in a year one time, and they said that. Um, the kids didn't need to be sitting in church. They needed to be going to their own thing in the back. And at a certain point, a lot of people just quit coming. And that is where, you know, as, as I'm thinking about it, I'll invite Kyle to come in. But I, you sit back as a pastor and you think to yourself, these people would rather destroy this place than to admit that someone else was right. Right. And it's extremely difficult. Is that a good place to transition there, Kyle? I think it is. You know, uh, what I can say is there's two quotes in life I like to use. And uh, the first one I'm going to say is, and uh, I, I'm not knocking anybody that wears it, but uh, a lot of people like to wear those uh, WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do bracelets? Well, I kind of live by a different mantra of, I wore a bracelet that says, what would Stone Cold Steve Austin do? <laughs> the other one is, everybody wants to be a gangster until it's time to do gangster things. And what it, what it really means is, everybody wants to be a leader, but nobody wants to take take the lump when it's time to fail. And the, uh, the congregation of the church at that time, Glenn was doing a great job of making things move, making things grow. 
And uh, the youth group, it started very small, which like a lot of churches, especially older churches, you, you start out with next to nothing and you make something out of it. Uh, you take chicken crap and make chicken salad, basically. And uh, we were making chicken salad at the time, and the, the members of the church that were really raised in a ruckus, they just did not like it. They didn't like to see growth. They didn't like to see change. And I basically got up there, and uh, I'm going to say this about the time I started pounding a pulpit, which that pulpit was just splinters after I got done. <laughs> but uh, needless to say, I explained, you know, that the youth of the church is a foundation, and they are the ones that, as members go away, they're the ones that build the church back up. And, you know, the members don't look at it. When you get up to 60, 70, 80 years old, your, your clock is starting to dwindle down. You're not going to be around much longer. And I explained it to them, you know, as they go away, these kids are stepping into their roles. And what roles do you want to leave these kids? But they kind of looked at it as, hey, you guys are going to die. And was I, was I making that point? Yeah, I was making that point that 10, 12, even five years from now, a lot of them were not going to be here anymore, and they needed to accept the fact that the youth was coming in. A lot of churches don't look at it anymore of, we need to grow, and by grow, we need to change. And I'm not saying, you know, drastic changes, but you've got to grow and become more with the times. They're, the churches that are succeeding right now in this day and time have changed with the times. And it's not big changes, it's just, you got to look at what is your an audience. Your audience is your is your not only your financial income, but is also what keeps the church active and keeps the church as a lifeline. Myself, in fact, you know, I do not attend church. I'm not much of a God-fearing man. But I'm also a person that looks at things at a perspective of what helps, what grows, what makes things better. And what Glenn was doing at the time was growing and making things better. And if you go down and ask that church today, what's the issues? They're going to lay out every little issue, but not the true issue. And I'll leave it at that. No, I mean, I agree with you. Um, to your point, and I've used the, this example a few times on this show and in, in board meetings and everything. You're right, yeah. It, you, you've got to lay somewhat of a solid foundation so that that church, I don't care, like my church right now, we're averaging about 20, 25 people a week. Uh, it's picked up a little bit more since warm weather's coming and COVID's kind of letting up a little bit. But... Um, I hate using it. This I hate using this analogy, but it's the best illustration I can come up with. I think of the church as a business. What's the product we're trying to offer? Mm -hmm. The product we're trying to offer is eternal salvation and a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we have to offer. Forty, fifty years ago, that's all you needed. That's all you could offer. That's all you had to say. And I'm there. Mm -hmm. But now you've got well, literally all three of us right now. We've got a phone in our hand that we can access any piece of information, good or bad. <clears throat> you've all, and for the kids, you've got, you know, this. You've got video games. You've got travel ball. You've got literally a hundred and one things that can good occupy their Good old-fashioned American sleep. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you you got to look at it as to get the youth of America today. You've got to be on the cutting edge of the next level. Because there's always going to be something out there that's bigger and moving faster. You've got different ways to contact um, information. You know, these kids don't have to exactly sit in church to learn the book and hear people talk about the book. They can they can literally just turn on a podcast. They can turn on YouTube. They can turn you know turn on a, a Snapchat group chat. You know, and that's the thing is, 
uh, older congregations don't realize that, you know, and almost still a line from a TV show that we've all been laughing at, but this is my mentality about youth groups. And if you got a problem with the youth group, you got a problem with me, you need to let that marinate. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, right. and that's that's where it went completely sideways for me is and there's a governing principle and this goes back to uh, one of my first DSs. He's a bishop now, Frank Beard. Doctor, Reverend, High, Frank Frank Beard, <laughs> Bishop Beard, whatever. I'm not sure what he's called these days. Um but he had a mantra that, that he and he asked us to kind of filter things through. Is the issue at hand going to keep us from doing effective ministry? If the answer is no, you can drop it. Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, we need to discuss it, we need to fix it, and get back to where we are doing effective ministry properly. So what I'm saying about critique is this. If you have a legitimate complaint, bring it. Yeah. Don't wait. Don't let it fester. Don't get angry about it. Bring it. And we will work it out. If you have an issue that is not a real issue, straw man, irrelevant, whatever it is, keep it to yourself. It's it's not just because that's an issue for you and we've lost this in America and this is probably part of the problem. Look around you. If no one else has that problem... It's you. You're the problem. Yeah. So, yes, I took great offense to the fact that because I brought some kids to youth group, by the end of that year, I was moving to a different church. I had been fired from mowing my own yard. Uh, the youth group was virtually non-existent, and we had lost six members directly related to the attitude that people had towards the youth group. Mm-hmm. Are you happy now? You did that. I just hope folks out there can understand the difference. If you have a legitimate complaint, I'm more than happy to hear. Absolutely, yeah. Because we're going to have a good Friday service because someone in our church really wanted to have one. And we're putting together something pretty cool. If you don't tell me that, I don't know. Because no one has ever asked me about a good Friday service here. Now somebody asked about it. We're going to have one. What day is that going to be on, by the way? Good Friday. What Friday? Good Friday. Exactly. That's right. Easy enough. Absolutely. Tove Friday or whatever it is in Hebrew. Um, I don't know. I was going to say something in Spanish, but como so dice? I don't know. No hablo español? No hablo español. If you have a complaint that you want to lodge simply to get your way or just to be mean, shut up. That's, that's, I'm not going to be nice about it because I've been doing this for 20 years and every time somebody does that it ends up in a disaster your pastor leaves, a bunch of people leave you got your way Yeah, I mean, and your church will close down in 10 years it, it's I mean critique is one of those things I mean from the congregation it, and it's something I'm dealing with because I have been at Strong I'll be at Strong a year in August basically um, and I, there's been things that have been brought up, but it was little, it was little things like, you know, one of the board members said, well, I'd like to see you do an altar call at the end of the service or at the end of your message. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely fine. 
Um, nitpicky things. Visitation. Hey, can you mind picking this up? Well, literally, when I started at Strawn, Henry County, Indiana, went to red for COVID. So you couldn't get in. Clergy could, but you couldn't really visit nursing homes, hospitals, anything like that. And I asked, I said, who do I need to visit? Well, we don't really have anybody in nursing homes right now. And I'm like, okay, so who do I, who am I visiting? Well, you know, you just need to get out and kind of visit a little bit. All right. It did kind of pick up last, uh, probably the last two or three weeks. We had a lady who was in the hospital for some pretty, for pneumonia and uh, things like that. I visited her a few times. So I'm, we're getting into it, you know. But I've also dealt with, with critique, and I'm sure you have too. And Glenn, you and I have talked about it several times, you know, for six months basically, where you're being critiqued by a a fellow member of the pastoral um, uh, team there. Um, as I mentioned, I, I worked at a former church, um, and uh, I'll spare the name and everything, but when I hired on... He's worked at two. You get two guesses. <laughs> uh, but... <clears throat> when I hired in, you know, I was I tried to build a relationship with with the, the pastor and everything, and and I thought, okay, the idea was I was going to train under her, and I was originally going to become a Methodist pastor. Well, it eventually, every time I would do something, I'd do the children's message, I'd do this, I'd do little things without. It never met their standards. The thing about it is their standards were so nuts and outlandish that I do believe that the good Lord himself could send his son back to bring us all up to heaven and she say, you know what, this is on Tuesday. How's Thursday strike you? I mean, just nothing. And if I did do something, you know, that met her quote-unquote standards, met their quote-unquote standards, um, there was always one little pinhole in it that, you know, I'd, I'd like to see it do it this way, but wait, how you did it was okay. You know, you'll learn, you'll learn. Instead of actually giving constructive criticism, it literally got to be where it was just me, be, me being dogged every single Monday when I had a meeting with them. And I dreaded going into the office on Mondays. I did. I mean, it was to a point I would meet with her or meet with them on Monday and then Glenn and I had a standing. We've always we've had a standing meeting for a year and a half now, mm, two okay. years, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a standing uh, or is it a sitting? That's my question here. Pretty much. Well, oh, we're sitting. We're sitting. Okay. Um, you know, you know better than that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, I would just I was laying it all out, and I mean, even you were kind of taken aback by what was being said and what was being claimed and all this. I mean, uh, well. It strikes me that, and look, I'm not speaking from a place of ignorance. I've worked with young pastors. That's been my job the last two years on the district committee. If you have nothing good to say about somebody, you're not listening. There's got to be something that you can praise in the midst of critique. I have told a lot of kids in a lot of classrooms, hey, you're just starting. 
don't be so hard on yourself. Everybody was a beginner at some point. Right, absolutely. But when you're standing over someone and saying, well, I've been doing this for 30 years and you suck. No crap. I've only been doing this for two weeks. How about, uh, well, the important thing is you tried. You you can't even do that. (laughs) Like, well, the important thing is you tried. It's like, no, you stink. And, Everything and, about you stinks. And I'm going to bring it with this is the fact because I work in I work in a different field than what both these guys do. I work in management. I manage. Hey, you can marry people. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I I can do that. I am nine and zero. By the way, I'm kind of like the Undertaker right now. Actually, past Undertaker, not the current Undertaker. I can actually walk. Um, <laughs> there you go. Needless to say, though, I work in management, and one of the things is about people who complain. They never have true substance when they complain. They want to be heard, but they don't have the substance to back up their complaint. And I've always told not only my employees, but also people that work with me in management, if you're going to come with a complaint, be ready for a rebuttal. Because if you don't have the substance to hold that conversation, you've already lost and you've shown your true ignorance. Which ignorance is bliss. It's understandable because what you're doing is you're letting me step back and look at what your wrong is. And I'm going to write your wrong before you get too far into it. And that's the problem with today's society is everybody has gotten soft to where when they hear a complaint, they take it as an insult and not a chance to have subject matter yep. to battle those complaints for in the future. Because somebody's going to say, well, your sermons are too long or too short. Well, you know what? I've heard it from both sides, and neither one has had a legitimate argument with me. So obviously, what I'm doing is right. You're just looking at something to nitpick. And until you, somebody comes up and shows me that I'm wrong... I'm going to continue on the course I've been on for this matter of time. Absolutely. I mean, and that was kind of the that was basically the mentality that I adopted. I mean, I had I had Glenn listen in on the stuff I was doing because the children, the kids' messages and everything were being live streamed as well as my sermons. And I mean, I was asking him like, "Where am I messing up at?" Because I mean, it was just constant barrage, and. You know, we would. I would constantly ask, like, "What's you know, what am I screwing up on? What am I messing up on?" And we couldn't find anything. I mean, well, I mean, we could. And, and well, Matt, I, I, Matt has a calling. He has a gift for for speaking, a gift for preaching. Uh, you've served in public sector. You've stood in front of people. Um, you have, uh, and I'm going to use one of that person's quotes, you have those million-dollar sayings. Um, and did, did at times it look as, look as if you felt like a fish out of water? Yes, only to find out that this person sitting right behind you judging everything that you're doing. <laughs> I would probably be nervous, too. Um, or, you know, you would stand up front and maybe not have the, the presence to hold the whole church like like you look like you were still figuring it out. Yeah, that's what beginners do. Exactly. And if that's what you're getting stuck on, you're not helping. Like, and it wasn't even those things that you were getting critiqued on. Like, well, you didn't really hold the space well. Um, you were breathing. Like, I know I told you one time you were breathing, breathing into the yeah. microphone. And those are the little things. If I'm training a very new pastor, I'm saying, hey, consider where you're at in your spacing. Look at where you're standing. Look at where you're putting yourself. Look at where you're putting your attention. Who? What are you focusing on? Who are you focusing on? But she's like, I don't like that you don't use inclusive language. 
That's a you thing. And that that is what I, I personally believe at the end of it. That is what it stemmed from. I I've made no joke and I've made not made a secret and on this show or in public. I will never, never preach on politics in the pulpit. It doesn't belong there. It does not. Now, I've used, God bless the man, Ronald Reagan. Um, he's my favorite president. Reagan. At one point. Reagan <laughs> smash. <laughs> uh, he's, my favorite, he's my favorite president. Solid man. One of Good them. man. Uh, but uh, I, I, of course, I have a copy of the Reagan Diaries, you know, when they published a few years ago. And there's a clip, there's a an excerpt from there, and I'm like, this is a really good outlook. It was right after he got shot in '81, ah. and uh, or '80, '81 or '82, and uh, I correlated to not holding a grudge, because in this description, he, you know, he goes through. That's as political as I get. This person believed that we should address social issues. We should address Racism. We should address all these things in the pulpit, and I never did. I never wanted to. I literally stayed away with a ten-foot pole from it because I—it's it, not something that is appropriate in my book. That should be coming from that space. It's not. And at the heart of it, I—I I personally think that that is what caused all the, the strife. I mean, <coughs> it got so bad, like one day, now, to give you a little bit of background, my mom died in 2016. Um, fought like a, she fought like a, like a warrior. Um, had lymphoma, and was diagnosed in July, died in October. Um, so, Mother's Day is kind of a hard day for me. It's not as hard as it used to be because my wife, my wife and I have a daughter, and you know we get to kind of experience that now. It's taken on a new meaning, but it's still hard. Um, I uh, gave a, a message about mother for the kid for the children's message. I gave a message about how a mother's love is something that is pure and all this, and and I admit I might have been a little too, as I was told, Pollyanna about it. But the next day, I, I was driving into work, and my wife called me, and she said, I was telling her, I said, I'm going to get chewed out. I know I am. And she said, why? Nothing what you said yesterday was offensive or anything. There's no reason for it. And I said, I know, but it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. So, well, you know what? If that's the case, then she can do it. She can find somebody else to do it. I don't even care if I'm not using the they anymore. Um... <clears throat> So I went in and started off, we were like maybe 10 minutes into the meeting. I threw my hands up and I said, you know what? If I'm doing that bad of a job, you can take it over. I'm done. Oh, you're done, huh? Oh, is that? He's like, yeah. And I picked my, my notebook up and I started to walk away. And she said, sit down, sit down, Matt. No, no, no. Like, no, you don't understand. I am done. I am tired of getting chewed out by you. So I go to my office. I had an office back then. I've stepped down since then. Um, <clears throat> go to my office, start packing up my bag for the day. 
I'm getting ready to leave because I am. I'm. This is it. And she said, and they said uh, they come into my office and they said I need a longer meeting. And I said you've got five minutes because in five minutes I'm packing my bag up and I am walking out. Well, I need more than five minutes. And I looked at my phone and I said you're down to four minutes and fifty eight seconds. Clock's ticking. And I go off again, and I, I explain, said, but at the heart of it is, you and I cannot work together. You're from two, we're from two different backgrounds. You want me to be something that is not who I am. It is not what I am called to be. And so I, and I said, it, it started from the word go. I mean, you've literally been this way ever since I started. So I grabbed my bag, put it over my shoulder, and they said, well, can we begin again? And I said some real Clint Eastwood sounding stuff. I said, this ain't Monopoly. You can't just pass go and collect another $200. And I walked out that door. I mean, real, real cool hand loop kind of stuff, you know? Well, it, it's, it's difficult with, with young pastors. I've been doing this professionally for two years now. That... When you walk into a room, because, and it's legendary to those who know, but a lot of you may not be aware, uh, we go through two different boards, the District Committee on Ministry, which I'm on, and the Board of Ordained Ministry, which is the group that hands out ordination, which means you're in the union, as I, as I and some other pastors call it. That interview with the Board of Ordained Ministry to get into the ordination circle is without a doubt amongst the hardest tests that one can take like think like the nursing board tests the teaching tests it's on that level because you have to defend why you are the way that you are and we've sat down with candidates for that because we have a failing rate of people getting through the last few years, like less than 50%. So we sat down with people this year and we had to explain to them, if you were to take this board and be interviewed by them today, you would have failed in the first 10 minutes. Here's why. It's hard to do that to somebody. Mm -hmm. But here's also what we did. We said, where you went wrong is right here. Let's talk about that. Let's think about how you answer that. Why did you answer it that way? Well, and let's think about this. You know what? You probably don't even need to write this. You can just take that out. And you walk them through step by step so that they know what they're going to walk into and what they need to be ready to defend and talk about. If it doesn't matter, don't put it in there because they can ask you about it. And you start to clean that up. And when you go to your pastor and you're just like, I'm never going to like you, what, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Is that all just to get through or to be ordained? Yeah. Jeez, I used to have a couple mouse clicks. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't feel bad. I did too. <laughs> well, if you, get, if, you get, if you get through the Board of Ordained Ministry, you're promised a job. So, I mean, there's perks to it. But, well, yeah. Um, but... It's something completely different to have to tell someone, this is where you're at, this is where you need to get, this is how you're going to get there, To say, than to say, you know what, I don't like it, you need to be more like me. I don't like it, you need to be more what I want you to be. Friends, your pastor is a person. 
Absolutely. The people who work under you are people. They ain't you. So quit trying to make the world what you want it to be. It doesn't work that way. Give some people a chance. And if something is really bothering you, bring it up. If it's something that you can live with, don't ruin your pastor's weekend with it. <laughs> you know, keep it to yourself. And it's honestly about what is best for the kingdom. And, like yeah. I said, can we do ministry effectively without really getting into this? Because I promise you, everyone who likes what your church is doing right now is already there. I've been saying that for years. Everyone who likes what you do, right, Kyle, is already there. Yep. And you got to remember, you're not only laying a roadmap out for yourself, but you're laying a roadmap out for the people who are following you. It means it doesn't... And that roadmap, how can I put it? That roadmap is basically for you, the people that follow you, and the people that's going to follow that next person. You're creating a roadmap for not only leadership, but for your future as a whole. And if you lay that roadmap out with nothing but bumpy roads, you're creating nothing but a bumpy road for everybody behind you. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I should say I'm fortunate. Like I say, I've had little critiques here and there with, with the church I'm serving now. But every, every week I go in there, I feel like I, it's all home week for me. You know, I, I am truly blessed in that, in that respect. But we're starting to, for us, um, we're starting to kind of work on updating. No, I shouldn't say updating, but, you know, starting to realize what's working, what's not. We're in that kind of transitional period um, because they haven't had it for a long time. You know, everybody tells me, well, we used to do this, used to do that. Well, okay, that's great. But... What's something new that we can bring in? What's something that we can look at and bring forward? One of the things that I had kind of put on my heart was I wanted to bring communion every single week to the church. Um, you know, I know that that's, Glenn, I know you guys only do it once a month. Yep. Uh, and the church I'm serving is still currently doing it once a month. That's going to hopefully change tomorrow night at the board meeting. Fingers crossed. Um, but, uh, I brought it up, I said, and, you know, I, I got a little bit of pushback on it. Well, what happens if it becomes ritualistic or, you know, it just becomes a habit? That's between you and what's on your heart, bud. That's, that's not on me. That's not on God. If you are the one who's treating it like a ritual, then you kind of have to do a little bit of self-examination on your own. I'm sorry, but that's on, that's on you. And, but, and I've been preaching on it the last two or three weeks, gearing up for, for this, where we've been changing, our church has what's called a constitution, um, kind of lays out basically our belief, things like that, so that if anybody is curious, like, what is Strong Community Chapel about, and they're, you know, they want to read about it, then we can, you know, they have that, but... In the last month, we have created a new church logo. We've created a motto that when somebody says, what is Strong Community Chapel about, we can literally say it. It's a little elevator speech, what, you know, what they call it. And 
when I presented, I was on pins and needles when I presented it to the board last month. I said, I, I, look, I want to bring this up. I think it'd be good for us, but, you know, I want you guys to approve of it. I was so nervous, and everybody said, well, I walked her through it a little bit, and after I explained it, yeah, okay, that's fine. All that worry was for nothing. Friends, <sighs> critique And enemies. Mm. <laughs> right out of nowhere with that one. That uh, scared me. Critique is something, it's how we grow. It's how we improve ourselves. As long, Kyle, as you said, as long as it has merit. As long as it has credibility with it. And if you just don't like them because of, because I've been accused of, well, you tell stories in your sermons. And I do. I, I tell a lot, you know. Yeah, me too. Glenn does. Because it allows a person to be able to connect with you. It allows a person to say, you know what, I've been through something similar like that. I want to hear how this applies biblically. And I've been accused of, well, you don't need to tell so many stories. You don't need to be doing all that. Because, you know, you're just basically making it like open, open mic night. If me telling a story about how we closed down the bar at, three, at 2 o'clock in the morning... But the conversation was some of the deepest that I've had in probably months. And it allows somebody to say, you know, we, you know, we draw on the scripture of when Jesus says, whether when two or more of my followers are gathered together, there I am. Then, yeah, they're going to say, you know what, I go to the bar all the time. I've never had that opportunity. Who, I need to look at who I'm sitting with, who I'm talking to. It gives me that in. And we've talked about that on this show. And I, I, as we kind of begin to kind of wind down a little bit, I know we're we're kind of we're chomping at the bit to get over to the Purdue game. <laughs> Friends, I'm just going to say this: we say it every week, but this episode it means the most. Let's say it a little bit louder for the people in the back. Your pastor is a person just like you. You think they heard it? Yeah, we got it. All right. Um, Can you run that back? Your pastor is a person. You can do like that scene in uh, what was it, Ancient Ventura when, pet, uh, when Nature Calls. is like, Dang, I'm good. <laughs> you feel it? Got the compost. Um, but I mean, it's one of those things that's just, we do, Eric, from time to time, we're blind to a few things. We may not see things. We may think everything is hunky-dory. But unless you're willing to bring something that is truly legitimate, has merit, has weight, then just let, I mean, it's something you're going to have to deal with on your own. You're going to have to learn to live with it or something. I don't know. Search your own heart to try and figure out why in the world you have a problem with it. If it's something on you, then still, come talk to us. We'll work with, we'll work with you on it. If it's something that's on you and you don't, and you, you know, you're comfortable just having it sit there on your heart like a callus, okay, that's fine. But, do not, in front of me at least, do not let that come in between you and proclaiming the gospel. 
If somebody asks, who's the pastor at your church, and you have to say our name, and you cannot stand us, do what's on, do what, do what's the right thing. Just say, I go to church here, this is our pastor. That's all you have to say. <coughs> say what we're about, not your opinion about what the pastor is. Let that person make his own decisions. And don't be sabotaging. Back to the beginning. Exactly. Don't. I mean, you, why do you have to poke holes in everything? Some people got to stir, man. Uh, that's Some true. people got to stir. I, I live by a quote in life. They send one of yours to the hospital. You send three of theirs to. Uh, I'm gonna say morgue, but you, I guess you got to. <laughs> you can say morgue. Yeah. Send them to Jesus. I was expecting <laughs> that in the Sean Connery voice. You send. Is they send one of yours to the hospital? You send three of those to the morgue. Yeah. Sorry. But no, people. This ain't people, the United States Tortorella. <laughs> People want to attack, but they never want to have the substance. I, and all three of us, we're pretty hefty boys. If you're going to attack, you better bring the meat and potatoes because we're going to eat it up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've always kind of looked at it as, you got a problem with me, let's just go ahead and pack a lunch and sit down and talk for a minute because I'm going to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, like I say, just, again, folks, we say it every week. Your pastor is a person just like you. Search your heart and see what your problem is. And then when you find it, come talk to us. Whether you like us or hate us, come talk to us. Maybe we can kind of guide you a little bit. Well, friends, I think this is one of our shorter episodes here for a while. But, like I say, it's March Madness. Things are going to get crazy as we saw with the Kentucky game and with the Baylor game, as we found out with Glenn's bracket. Um, you know, it was an Elite Eight. I mean, I'm not completely done. I mean, well, okay, all right. Wisconsin loses. We got problems. I don't care. I root for anarchy this time of year. Right? <laughs> nobody's, nobody's betting on me. No. Um, <laughs> Let's get some 11 seeds in there. Let's get weird. So. <laughs> So, what's funny, I... Finals. Asked, Michigan, Iowa State. 11 versus 11. Let's do I'm this! I'm for the guy named Doug. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to get him out of selling books out of the back of his van. I, did, I mean, I... Before we wrap... One last thing. I mean, I... There's a, there a guy I know. He's not a livestock guy like me. He texted me and said, Hey, $10 buy-in for Bracket Challenge. You want in? I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. I lose 10 bucks every day. And literally, like there's six of us in this in this uh, in the the league, and literally five of us are done. <laughs> we're we're completely scrapped. Uh, the one guy he's holding on by a thread, and I can't remember which team, I can't remember what it is, which one it is now. But it's something that, based on the previous experience that we've had in the tournament so far. We're all going to keep our 10 bucks. <laughs> I think. So, um, friends, we thank you for tuning in. Kyle, it's been an absolute blast having you here. Have to get you more on here. And, um, you know, we're, we're always looking, always excited to have outside folks come in. Because a lot of times, it's literally me and Glenn complaining about the world around us. We're like two old men on the rocking porch, a rocking chair. I just uh, want to go on the record as saying I could take them or leave them. It's all right. It's all right. It's okay. My parents did the exact same thing as they were speeding away at the McDonald's. Oh. You know, he just walked home. 
Really? Man. Oh, yeah? Right he's, like, he's like, you think I don't know where I live? <laughs> Kick the screen door in. Yeah. Guess who's back? Back again. Cow's back. Um, no, this, yeah, this is, I've, I think it's helpful to talk about things like this because I think a lot of people don't understand why things go sideways in churches and honestly, most of the time, it's really, really stupid. Yeah. And you need to have a perspective of what are we here for? Because if you get it sideways and you get it skewed, you can crash that thing into the ground. So, uh, folks, with everyone's permission, as I look around, Kyle's smiling like he's got something to say. Not going to do it. <laughs> um, I'll go ahead and take us out. Um, Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Lift his countenance to you and give you peace. And as always, good night, Lindy and Kessid. Good morning, Vladivostok, where Vladimir Putin still sucks. Absolutely. Folks, take, take care. Have a good week. If you're on spring break, stay safe and go back and listen to our older episodes. They're quite the hoot. Why do I say hoot? Because they're a hoot. They are a hoot. Good night, everybody. Good night. Well, thanks for joining us again. And next week, we'll have a conversation. Boxes are brief. Glenn Davis special. <laughs> <laughs> Good night now. That might actually have to be our next episode. Good night, everybody.